Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. We are about two weeks away from free agency, so we're kind of in a lull, um, but the action's going to kick up soon. Tonight we have A. Marie from Vikings Brawl, the podcast, joining us once again. Um, I'm Dustin Baker. I'm here with Super Bowl champion Brian McKinney and Ron from FranchiseTag.com. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about, of course, the Kyle Rudolph exodus from Minnesota. Um, we also have a couple sni- uh, tidbits about the Spielman press conference, although there wasn't a whole lot there besides some confirmations that he had. We'll get into some draft stuff, and we'll pick McKinney's brain about some of the player experience as it pertains to this stuff. But first... We're going to talk about betonline.ag. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place that you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. For example, the Los Angeles Lakers are plus 280 to win another NBA championship back-to-back. And that means if you put down 100 bucks, you can win 280 uh, BetOnline even covers awards like uh, the Golden Globes and uh, the took place last weekend uh, TV shows and reality TV bet online has hundreds of prop bets, prop bets with real time odds and almost anything you can imagine. And of course the 24 hour online casino is there too. So head to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. So this is, after all, a Minnesota Vikings show, and we would be completely out of touch if we did not start the show with news of Kyle Rudolph's um, departure from the team after 10 seasons. Uh, I dug up this interesting fact almost on accident that the last time that Kyle Rudolph was not part of the organization, or the last time the Vikings played a game without Kyle Rudolph was Brian McKinney's last game with the Vikings, and it was Pat Williams' last career game. So that's how long it's been that uh, Kyle Rudolph has been a part of the Vikings. He has the uh, most touchdowns by a tight end in NFL history, uh, or excuse me, most uh, most touchdowns by a Vikings tight end in Vikings history, and he finishes ninth in touchdowns um, overall for the Vikings in team history. So now he'll go elsewhere. Um, we saved some money with uh, ditching him a little bit, and we'll move on to Irv Smith Jr. at the tight end spot. So I want to start with Amory with you. I want to know, with your um, affinity for Rudolph aside, in his next stop, wherever that may be, do you think that he will be showcased heavily? Not necessarily as the guy, but do you think that he'll get a lot of tread in a new offense somewhere? 
I think obviously it depends where he goes and what system he goes to. But I, I really think, uh, especially I'm rooting him to go back to Ohio, to be honest with you. Um, I think we talked about this last time I was with you guys, but I, I think he'll, I, he won't be the guy, but I think he'll be a, a lucrative asset to wherever he goes. Okay. Yeah, well, feels, I, still, I, feel, I feel like he has a couple more years in him. Yeah, he's only 31. Go ahead, Brian. I have a question. So, like, as Viking fan, right, mm-hmm. now say it was the ball was in his court and he decided to leave. I feel like people's emotions and feelings towards him would be different. Mm-hmm. But because the Vikings decided to let him go, it's okay. So I'm always like kind of like wondering how is that? I think it depends on the still not business on both sides. I feel like with the organization, it's business for them. But if he decided to go somewhere else, there was business for him as well. So I think it depends um, on the player, like for one, um, and how it's done. Now, um, I guess we can look back at Diggs last year and kind of the way his attitude kind of came up, like when he faked being sick and missed practice, like that kind okay. of is is one of those things where it's like, well, what's wrong or what's really going on behind the scenes? Whereas with Rudolph, um, and, you know, and I'm not taking the football side completely out of it, but what he does in the community around here is very well known. And, you know, with the Children's Hospital and the Masonic Center and everything. So he's a big name in the community office so say, as well. So you have the same type of player who has been, had the same type of thing, but he made a business decision to, right. you know, say, you know what, I choose not to come back. Yeah, so fans will look at it differently. Like I'm one where. Well, why is I'm, that? Yeah, I have no because idea. Because we feel be like a, we it, feel like a fraternity. Um, we feel like we're on the team, and if somebody wants off the team, we take it personally. Uh, whereas if there's a but if the team wants you off the team, it's okay. Um, that I think is, I, goes I, both ways I completely agree with your, uh, hypocrisy take. Um, it's odd that when a team approaches a player and says that's the end of the line that we just accept it as natural progression. But when a player squawks or just says that I want to move on with my life, it's almost as if uh, we take it personally. And that is a double standard that I, I happen to agree with. Um, I think one think... of the things too is like the media plays a big part in that. <laughs> um, how they spin, like, you know, your holdout, for example, like how they spin <sighs> that situation and paint that picture to the media. Cause they don't right. want the, they don't want to lose the Vikings fans. They can lose the individual players like, and keep the fans here. But uh, so I think that has a big part to do with it. Going back to Percy Harvin, um, you know, when he was um, when, you know, they, they were obviously Spielman said we're not trading him and whatnot, but uh, you know, the way the media made it look like it's like, he's a sour personality. Like granted Christian Ponder was the quarterback. So I think a lot of people looked at it as, well, if that was the guy throwing it to me too, I'd probably be a little upset too. So, um, but, it, it, but to your point, like I think the media plays a lot in spinning that to the okay. team's favor all the time versus the player, because it's easier to, to cut ties with someone who, well, Hey, he was the problem in the locker room. Whereas mm-hmm. if a coach is the problem, you never really know that so like right children's is a problem for you guys like the media never is gonna say that they're gonna say mckinney's and him are having words in the locker room after a game so Mm. also on this the times are changing so right now when deshaun watson said that he wants out i think most of us are like yeah that makes sense um bill o'brien's an idiot it's it's almost like uh like maybe three, four years ago, this would be in a much different light where to Brian's point, the team would always be the good guy. But now as we have, uh, you know, progressed 
into the 2020s, it feels more commonplace that when a player wants out that it's like, oh, I can see why. Rather, uh, I think I think we're getting to well, that fairness. Well, especially now compared to when I was playing, they, they have their own platforms where yeah. they don't have to re- rely solely on like the writers to say how they feel. They can yep. really say how they feel on their platform. And really, if they want to, go into detail they choose to yeah that's one of the one of the unsung beautiful things about digital age and social media is that there is Mm. more transparency um you just have to be you know have the wherewithal to find it uh so ron do you um where first of all you i know you got a short list in your head where do you think rudolph will end up you know i so one of the teams that i've been hearing a little bit more about um which i think makes a lot of sense is carolina um just um matt rule and that kind of offense i feel like it's something that is uh like i I don't know where they're headed but they definitely need a red zone threat they have good weapons on the outside who are all fast with dj Moore, rod ronnie or whatever robbie anderson and uh there's another one that I'm Chris Curtis Samuel if he to returns, but they're all little guys. And Christian McCaffrey obviously is a stud out of the backfield. But if they could get whoever their quarterback is, if they can get that guy to be that red zone threat, I think that would be huge. But um, I think for me, it'd be a toss up between there and Cincinnati. Um, okay. I bet Cleveland's team to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they have tight, like they drafted Bryant last year. Then they have Austin Hooper, who they signed a lucrative deal last, yeah. last offseason. And then whatever they decided to do with David and Joku as well. So, yeah. um, but we'll see what happens. I, I officially predict, I'm going to narrow it down to two. I'm with you on the Bengals. And I wrote, I wrote about that about a month ago that it's, it's quite frankly, his hometown and they right. with burrow seem a lot more promising than they were maybe two years ago uh so that one would make sense especially because burrow will probably seek a security blanket type of target and rudolph can certainly be that underneath uh, and i also my other prediction would be the broncos because uh george payton is in charge there and there sh- he should be the guy other than Spielman that knows Rudolph more than anybody. And then also Pat Shermer runs the offense there. I don't know if those two have a friendship or connection, but that's what I predict would be Broncos. Would that be something like, you know, his, he was concerned about his target share here. Um, or I guess like, you know, again, if it was, wasn't the money he was making, I don't think the Vikings would have ever made the move, but he's not right. warranted of a top five contract for a tight end he's still a very valuable tight end just at a market rate but uh in denver they have noah fant and then they drafted the albert o from missouri um last year so they seem to have their young tight ends in place so um, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna have to strike a balance between wanting to be the te1 versus winning a super bowl and usually there's if you have a good te1 uh or usually the teams that are coming for super bowls have some sort of plan at te1 and i think that the broncos might be able to blend both of that depending on how drew lock plays or if they trade for watson um so yeah no i i just think it makes sense with the the ties to the dudes out there um but i guess we don't know if he's ready to start joining the chiefs and winning super bowls or if he wants to go to the panthers and (laughs) keep getting numbers because yeah he'd, he'd be able to get numbers we we certainly know that about him well another team that i that actually just came to mind would uh that obviously the signing jj watt um this week yeah. the cardinals they're desperate need, they desperately need a tight end so yeah um, wow and, yeah that one that, could be good that one. one has the window dressing too when you paint it paint it up like that uh bryant i want to ask you so when you departed uh in 2011 for baltimore how did you think you had a lot left in the tank or were you going there thinking this is probably the last of it for me or what, like, did you think that you still had a bunch left to go? 
not a bunch because I was like what, year 10 for me. So no, not a yeah. bunch. Okay. But I know I had a couple more years left. Okay. So we're, I'm trying to figure out what Rudolph's mindset is. We all or I think we. So we somewhere he, he probably, I'm, I would see, say he would probably want to be close to home. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's going to go with the best offer, but towards the end of your career, when you feel like, okay, I probably got three years left or whatever, it would make sense to be close to the home. Yeah. But at the same time, it's business. So you might go with whoever gives the better offer, but he may just take, you know, a situation where um, I'm back in my home state, you know, things like that. Yeah. He'll have to decide once again, between targets and Super Bowls. And maybe he's not quite that Super Bowl chasing point of his life. He's only 31. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, the, the one thing uh, indisputably he has going for him is his hands are impeccable. I don't know if there's ever been a Vikings player in general that has better hands than him uh he's not not very fast and he doesn't break a lot of tackles but he does have the, the hands going for him um did either did a marie or ron did you catch rick spielman's press conference today i did you didn't i saw snippets of it but, okay uh, that's about it what are your takeaways a marie on on that if anything uh eh, just typical rick no i i i, th- I thought you about the rudolph thing i th- oh yeah nothing was new to me like, I just, I don't know. Nothing surprised me. Nothing shocking. Yeah, I think he was like reading said, your articles. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Like I said, it goes back to, you know, like the whole Percy Harvin and then even Diggs last year where, you know, he says what what everyone wants to hear. Like, um, right. I think in a way it's different with Cousins, um, like where I think they truly do want him here. But if the right offer comes calling, you know, have to at least um, take a look at it. So, uh, but you know, it's typical general manager speak. There wasn't anything, at least that I saw that was alarming. That's uh, like, Hey, we're going to a three, four scheme and, you know, we're going, <laughs> going back to a power, power offense, uh, not the zone blocking scheme. So just no, I jam speak. I think the takeaways were, would be the confirmations of things that we've been spitballing for a couple months. So right. he meant, he mentioned, he said something effective. If we, if, if we even stay at number 14, which we all know he loves to trade in the draft. And that leads me to believe that based on the success he had trading down last year, that we're going to do it again because um, there'll probably be a team that wants to hop into that spot to reach for something. And then boom, we can get a second rounder back or even, you know, accrue another first rounder like we did with Gladney and, and Jefferson. And then he also, uh, he kind of said on Eric Wilson at linebacker, he kind of said, if we'll be able to bring him back, uh, he, he point blank said, we can't afford three linebackers. So, we knew that, but there's some uh, folks that would think, well, yeah, you know, we'll get Wilson back depending on how much he is. And that still could happen. But he, just like us, knows that Kendrick makes a lot of money, Barr makes a lot of money, and somebody has to get the short end of the stick as, at a linebacker. And that leads me to believe that they're going to go with somebody like Todd Davis or uh, who's the dude that looks like a punter Tro- out there? Troy guy. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Homegrown. Troy guy looks like a punter. The, the long snapper. Uh, I thought he looked like a. There was a play in the last <laughs> game of the year where he went up to do a pass defended, and he looked like a punter out there. And I'm gonna have so, to look that up. Yeah, it was it, just he had the just stature. No he might show up. <laughs> yeah, he might show up at camp all bulk. Who knows? But all right, McKinney. So we're talking about general manager speak. The way Rick Spielman today, you know confirmed some stuff and then kind of just did the judicious political speak not to rock the boat. So you knew him. You had the funny story of how they called your mom to try to get you to restructure. Did he speak point blank to you when you were a player or did, did these guys beat around the bush with you too? Well, in that, in that situation, they came to my room. So it was just me. <laughs> it was just me and them. So it was kind of like very direct, like, 
Yeah. Oh, but it's not what we're trying to do. Um, so help us, help you, kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I, just, I just want to try to go somewhere else at this point. Okay. Is that so, something like, where that gets disclosed? It's just like we released them. It's like y'all came to my room. Y'all really talked me out of it. And you tried to call my mom, <laughs> but you didn't mention that part. <laughs> but is that something too? Like, is it like as a, from the player side, where GMs have that? Now, I'm not saying two face, but where they're portraying one thing in the like in the media and to everyone. Right, but there's a whole other conversation on the side. Are they yeah, pretty like, like straightforward okay. the players then at least? Or is it like they're saying the same things to you that they're saying to the media and then you're getting blind? No, that was the whole, we had a totally different conversation than the, the way it okay. looked in the media. Um, it was totally different. Like the fact that you called my mom and she was, <laughs> you know, on a cruise that couldn't answer the phone and you left a message for her to, um, you know, okay. when you her to reach out to me. Nobody would ever knew that if I didn't say it. <laughs> and that's weird, right? You, you've never heard anybody else have that happen, right? I don't, I only know me because it, she called me when she got back. She, when she got back, she didn't even know I wasn't even on the Vikings anymore. Like she was gone. There's, there's no conversation for a little bit. So yeah, I think when she got back, I was just going to Baltimore. And she's like, wait, what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ron, I think I think with a lot of them, maybe all of them, uh, they kind of have that Ronald Reagan mentality where in front of the cameras, they're wholesome, smiling, you know, you want to hug them. Right. Um, but then the the cliche or steer or um rumor about him is that behind closed doors he allegedly cracked the whip and so yeah i think there is that facade that they have to put uh you know right. kind of like I a lot get of that. Do. you don't want to show your hand but you know it's also you hear like certain general managers do they get respect around the league because certain players will say like you know jared allen was talking about it how mm-hmm. they were honest like with them like just straight up like hey this we're going another direction like you know we're going to give you a shot elsewhere like you know it wasn't a surprise at that point so yeah. um like that at least you want to hear that where it's not just like oh they're telling you all the sweet things to your face and all of a sudden behind the scenes it's like oh you're gone so. yeah all right hey marie my next one's for you so i have the opinion and um other folks that i've some of the stuff that i've read ha- sh- uh, share this opinion so i want your your take are you of the opinion that the Vikings can rather easily go from rags to riches at defensive line. We had the worst pass rush in the NFL last year, and that was probably because we were missing the two keynote starters. And Michael Hunter, yeah. So I want to know that perhaps maybe they draft a defensive tackle or defensive end or uh, sign a free agent. Do you think it's that simple that once we, we see week one that the defensive line for the Vikings will be back, or do you think that that is way too optimistic of thinking? Well, you know me, I'm Mrs. Optimistic. I really, uh, no, I really think a healthy defense is going to be a totally a game changer when we have our starters back. This, this was insane this year. This was so weird. This was so weird. And you never feel like we use that as a cop-out, do you? No, not this year. No, 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 no. Our schedule's not easy next year though. No, that's. That is very correct, and it's even more difficult than we sometimes we'll foreshadow. But I will say this, that normally when you look at a schedule, it never works out the way that you foresee. Like, no. you know, games no. that look easy turn out not to be. Or last year we had the Cowboys and the Texans both on the schedule at this time. We were like, Christ, we're going to have to go play those teams. And both of them, well, one of them turned out to be easy when it shouldn't have been with the Texans, and then one we lost that we should have once the Cowboys didn't even have their quarterback. But even – but even being in Indianapolis right now, thinking back to like Colts game, I like some of the games are just, we are playing with no heart. Like it, there was a lot more than just injuries on defense. There was no mm-hmm. leadership or something wrong in the locker room. So 
Yeah. I, hope I mean, I did say something come- about the leadership part because that, that game was towards the early part and I was trying to wonder who the leader was because you do need a leader and that person helps, you know, bring everybody's morale up and, and, and you know, yeah, I didn't see one in the beginning. No, we do. I, we really depends on what you want. No to heart. No heart. <laughs> what you want to define as the leader. If you're okay with the silent types, then we've got plethora of those. Whether it's <laughs> whether it's the running back. But sometimes you need a one, at least a vocal, a vocal leader. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I I wish I could hang out in the locker room, but I I just don't know if there is that. Even Harrison Smith can be perceived as a leader, but he doesn't run his mouth. Everson Griffin did, but he doesn't play for the team. Eric Kendricks looks like a leader on the field, but I don't know if. We call him that um, yet. Maybe that this will be the breakout year for leadership. But I don't know. Um, I don't see a Everson Griffin, or I don't even know if you call Rudolph a leader because he was relatively quiet um, in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I don't know if we, we need, just need somebody that... We need someone rally. in the locker room. We need someone We need a someone to rally us. There's somebody who's a playmaker who can just kind of like, he knows he can talk and back his work up like you know what i'm saying that everybody respects and they'll, they'll get behind them well maybe maybe michael pierce could be that guy i don't know if uh <laughs> if he was that guy in baltimore but obviously he wasn't uh, didn't get a chance to be around this team last year um due to his opt-out but uh you know someone who coming from another team being a veteran obviously rose a prize for agent last year maybe he kind of right. takes that onus on the on himself and like obviously he's going to be the strongest man on the team anyway so who wants to get in his face but uh um i don't know maybe a wishful thinking but you hope that he can kind of get those other silent leaders that we have um and you know we're kind of in tandem with that do you think it'll be rags to riches riches for the defensive line ron or is that uh fools you know i might be a little more optimistic on this than most but i mean i i think just getting healthy and they're instantly you know I'm not going to say they're an elite defensive line, but they're an above average. They're a top 15 off defensive line in football, and they were bottom last year. So that alone, just Hunter and Pierce, even though Pierce isn't the pass rusher, um, you know, when he's in and base defense on passing plays, he's going to command a double team, and that's going to open it up for um, Adenabo and uh, Hunter, uh, whoever, whatever side he's playing. So, um, yeah, I mean – like just those two alone, you're getting two all pro type players back, and uh, that's gonna help. Okay, um, let's see. I'm gonna ask a bunch of these questions. Start off with Amory because we were gonna have a full blown analysis show with her last week, and then Moeldi joined us, so I didn't get to ask her. Oh, he was great. He was great. That was an awesome surprise. Uh, so I am almost certain that at the 14th pick or the first pick in general, whenever we do end up picking is going to be either defensive lineman or offensive lineman. I can't really see any situation where it's not one of those. So do you have a preference as to what they go uh, with, or do you prefer just to wait to see how free agency shakes out? I, I was just going to say that it depends on the free agency, who, who we let go of, you know what I mean? I don't know what's going to happen with bar. I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of things, but, um, uh, and then Riley reef is up in there. There's a lot of, up in the air between our line and our defensive line right now. So I think Mm -hmm. I want to see what happens with free agency, but I'm not mad if we stay at 14th, I'm not mad if we trade back because I feel like there's a lot of options for us, but those are two top priorities though. I think that because we had the uh, fourth worst defense uh, based on points allowed uh, that, which is insane. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I think that, 
this has every excuse in the bag for Zimmer and Spielman to go defense. So I expect it to be a defensive lineman. Um, Bryant, do you, based on the weaknesses of the teams last year, would you rather well, – maybe silly because you're an offensive <laughs> lineman. Would you rather the team pick an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman? I mean, with some of the guys coming back on defense, I would mm-hmm. probably say offensive lineman. Um, yeah. Just to yeah. you know, help, help them out some. Um, since you do have some key guys that are coming back. So, yeah, I'll go offensive line. I think uh, if we do do that, whether it's Elijah, Vera Tucker – or uh, Dara saw from Alabama, or did I screw that up again? Uh, for Virginia Tech, is that it? Which yeah, one is Dara saw? Dara saw is the Virginia Tech. Okay, if we do do saw. that, okay. if if we go for the fourth straight year offensive line in the first two rounds, we better be close to being set because uh, that that's that's a lot of draft capital to spend on offensive line early on each year. Um, so, uh, and of course, I'm not upset by it. I want them to get it right. But this is what it should take is four successive years of drafting offensive linemen. Um, I hope it can finally put this to bed because uh, it has been frustrating for a long time. Uh, Ron, what do you think? Uh, I know we've talked about this a lot between all the guests and everything we've had. But do you need to see how the board shakes out or free agency? Or do you have a preordained type of offensive lineman or defensive lineman selection as of March 3rd? Actually, if I were to say or put a bet right now and assuming they stayed where they're at um i would actually go cornerback um because zimmer in his track record but also um mike hughes in his situation with the neck injury like is that's there's a lot going on there that i don't know if they have trust in him going forward just from a pure physical standpoint so last year obviously with gladney and uh and uh, like Dantzler, um, they have two guys who are going to step in and be starters right away. But gladly, if they transition him into that nickel role, Zimmer loves his tall, lanky corners. So both Patrick Sertain Jr. and uh, I think it's is it Virginia or there's another corner out there that six one six two. Those are Zimmer Caleb type Farley? of guys. So yeah, that's it. Um, so, so this I is your prediction, see- or this is what you want to happen? kind of a little bit of both i guess um probably less of what i would want um more than what i think would happen but one a part of what spielman i think or i saw something on twitter today saying that um they're not sure about ezra as a guard going forward maybe they want to transition back to tackle and if that's the case i feel like offensive line at 14 and out of the picture because there aren't any interior linemen that are going to be that, like there's no Zach Martin out there. There's no yeah. David DeCastro. So um, un- unless they're taking a tackle um, yeah. at 14, I don't see them taking inside guys. So yeah. um, I think that would take the O-line out of it. But again, like I talked about in the past, where if five quarterbacks go in the top mm-hmm. 14, that's going to push some of those um, elite skill players out there. And uh, I think it'd be too much to pass up on. Okay. Amory, switching uh, topics a little bit. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's future is uncertain with the Panthers because they have in no way, shape, or form committed to him for this September. So it sounds like he could be moved uh, somewhere, whether it's the 49ers or the Patriots or something. Uh, I want to know from you in early, Mar- in early March, uh, what team will he play for and what role will he play? A starter or a backup? Uh, I... 
just the more I read up on it, I love how concerned we are about Teddy B. This is just something we can't let go as Viking fans, can we? No, um, no, I, I really, I, I thought 49ers, but uh, as a starting quarterback, but the more I read, they still, they, they don't want to let go of Jimmy G. I'm very, I don't, it's hard. I, I can't see Teddy anywhere. That's really sad as a starting quarterback. So I think he'll end up at, I don't want him to be a backup quarterback. I want to see him succeed. It's this weird thing with Teddy B that I think we hold on to, but I, the only place I could see him going is the 49ers, but they'd have to get a good trade or draft pick or something out of it. Like I think, I think it's too much money or capital or anything. I don't know. It's weird. I feel bad for Teddy. I yeah. don't see him in a lot of places. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know. He, He's very underwhelming and I don't like, I feel bad. Like yeah, I want that, him to do good. Like you, I'm rooting for him. Like I yeah. want him to do good. This. And then <laughs> I think this year, past year, 2020, the pandemic season, this was his year to, you know, prove to us or confirm to us that he was the real deal. And he was just mediocre, plain and simple. He was mediocre to the max. And it almost was oh. like when, uh, we showcased him early on in 2014 and 15 that maybe he needs a blistering defense in a running back like Adrian Peterson to well, uh, to be the dude. But well, yeah. his running back was injured, though. Yeah, that's that's a very valid point. And the defense wasn't too hot. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just but maybe he's one of those ones that needs everything around him to be peachy. Uh, Ron, where do you think that he plays in 2021? You know, I'm not quite sure. There's a lot of dominoes to fall. Like, obviously, what the Texans do with Deshaun Watson and, you know, the Jets with Darnold and the Bears and their crap situation there. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he just gets outright cut if he finds his way back to New Orleans. Um, oh. Because, uh, you know, Sean Payton did seem to have, have um, you know, some admiration for him. So, um, now... I mean, I do think he's better than James Winston because he doesn't turn the ball over, you know, 30 times a year. But, uh, um, yeah, like, like Amory said, it's it's hard to see a definitive spot for him. Um, but uh, he's still at a, you know, an age where he could be in the prime of his career, even get better. But, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to see where. Okay. On that same note, uh, Bryant, there has been um, smoke signals that, in the shadows, NFL executives have said that you're going to see unprecedented quarterback movement turnover, you know, switching teams this offseason. So far, we've seen uh, three. And then um, I guess if you want to count the Eagles switching to Hertz. Uh, but they're saying there's going to be north of 15 <clears throat> swaps. Um, and do you really think the turnover can be that mighty this offseason? Or do you think that that's more just rumor? Rumor 15 is a lie. Oh, I know. Um, but they, I think when the first domino fell with uh, Stafford to Los Angeles, uh, there was a sentiment like this is just the beginning. Uh, you're going to see all types of switching. And I'm trying to figure out when that'll continue, you know, when these trades will happen, or if that was all just, uh, you know, a little smoke. <laughs> 15. <laughs> I don't think 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Ron, do you think there's anything um, to that? Because that's a large number. That means we're going to see a lot of trades, and there's still a lot of time. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I see maybe a handful at most. Um, right. But yeah, like, like 15 is a lot. Like that's almost half the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like every, whether it's NFL draft, NBA draft, everything, everything is always overhyped and then there's no action whatsoever. So um, it'll, you know, maybe Watson will get moved because I can't imagine that they stand pat with, oh, we're, you're our quarterback because if you don't want to be there, like why pay a guy to, to not want to be there. So, uh, but other ones, you know, Darnold's probably going to stay in the in Jets and Foles will, and Trubisky will probably battle it out in Chicago. Trubisky. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I don't see the swapping. I, there could be maybe 15 new quarterbacks, but five of them might be rookies. So yeah, uh, maybe that's the mentality that they are going for because uh, yeah, to, to, to assume there's going to be 15 trades is strange, but then if you start to look at, well, you know, Trubisky's not going to be there, therefore there's a new face there. If uh, Miami actually lands Deshaun Watson, then that means Tua's got to go to Texans. That's a new face. So maybe what they're trying to get at is the brand new faces that it gets close to half the league. Uh, I think that might be a more <laughs> fair assessment. Could you see that? I guess, um, you know, because Alex Smith is obviously already out in Washington, so whether that's, um, you know, Taylor Heineke or whoever else. So technically, that's a new starting quarterback, you know, New Orleans. You know, it seems like Breeze is all but out the door. Um, So there's a new quarterback coming in. Obviously, the Rams and, and, uh, and Lions both have new ones. So. I mean, I, I guess it seems like a, a large number, but in the reality, we're already handful of the way there. You yeah. know, with the Eagles, with the, the the retirements and everything. So yeah, um, and it, when you start adjudicating it like that, that kind of happens as is in a regular year. You know, right. <laughs> that turnover. So well, we shall see. Um, Amory, you mentioned Anthony Barr a few minutes ago, uh, answering one of the questions. We saw what life was without him, but then we also. Oh. We're accompanied by no Hunter, no Pierce, no Hughes. The last four games, no Kendricks. Um, if for, I, I personally don't think they're going to move on from Barr. I think that they will uh, restructure with him, you know, move the money around. I just think he's too integral to Mike Zimmer in general. Uh, you know, his godfather. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Do you, um, what do you, do you think the defense would be the same without him long term? Um, or, do you, do you think he could be a, a plug and play if we, you know, first, I, I really don't see us getting rid of him, but how, how excited can you be about the defense if it doesn't have Anthony Barr on it? want to interrupt for just a second to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Um, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, um, find the exact shoes you're looking for on eBay. As for the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair um, that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, uh, which is a team of experienced sneaker authenticators. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, etc., and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee uh, tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verification return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell and flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. I can still be really excited. Um, I also would be excited if he stayed, but he's I, I don't want him if he's going to call. We can't afford him. Like what he wants is his contract's ridiculous. So if if he wants to stay for like eight under eight million, well, I'll, I'll be fine. But like I can live without him too. I love him though. That's enough. It's a lot of weird players this year. I'm like, 
oh, it's so weird. Like, I don't want to see you go, but I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> Ron, do you see Barr changing teams? I don't see him changing teams, but, you know, to Avery's point there as well, I don't see him coming back at the contract that he's at. Um, it just it seems awfully hefty. He's, you know, approaching 30. Um, now, the one thing that does concern me with him and his long-term health is it seems like those tall linebackers don't tend to have a long career, um, and I don't know what that is. Like, Brian, I can't remember if, if this guy was with Baltimore when you were there, but Adelius Thomas, I um, I don't know if he was on your – if he was one of your teammates or not, but that's the guy that I – yeah, that's the guy that I always remember because, granted, he was more of a rush linebacker because of their scheme, but he was someone who was so dominant for like three or four years and all of a sudden just fell off. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's because of the size and, you know, the, how much um, maneuvering they need to do, but it just seems like that's happened a few times that I can remember. Um, so I, as he gets into his 30s, it could be something to look out, look out for, but I think having him back would be key to this defense but I don't know if you're going to get a solid three, four years out of them. It might be a good two, and then you got to really cut, cut bait with them. All right. <clears throat> the next thing is going back to the draft a little bit. Uh, one mock draft. I don't think it was a biggie, um, but one of them, Amory, sent Mac Jones to the Vikings at 14. So either no. that man or woman doesn't follow the team too closely and, you know, the knowledge that we have a quarterback or they think that cousins isn't the long-term deal. Do you, uh, you said last week, you wouldn't mind getting our home quarterback. I wouldn't though. Cause we like, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it has to be our 14th pick, but when Paul Allen brought that up, I was yeah. like, well, we never do that. And like I said, we don't have continuity at this position ever. And why don't we for once develop a quarterback, Kirk? It's not, I don't, it's not about not liking Kirk. This is a normal thing for people to draft a young quarterback behind a franchise quarterback, develop him in a system. So when then that quarterback leaves, you got a quarterback to go. It was normal a long time ago, but it's not normal now. Well, it's never been normal with the Vikings. <laughs> no, that's very true. <laughs> no, I, I wish teams would do that. But then you see success of Justin Herbert, who who got in because like sabotage of uh, Terod Taylor. Um, so it seems like there is more to be said mm, yeah. nowadays that you put the dude in year one with expectation that it could go at its highest nine and seven or so. And then you've got the dude left on four years of his rookie deal. Yeah. I don't, but wait, that. but wait, that's not, that's not, you can't relate that to the Viking situation because our backups are always. Ugh. Okay, but if Kirk goes down in a game, we're going to really depend on Sean Mannion. <laughs> no, that one, that one for the last two that's, years. That's, we're stupid. We are stupid when it comes to this. For the last like, two That's years what I'm saying. That... It doesn't have to be our 14th overall pick. Sure. But like, Somewhat. give me a quarterback that could be back up an actual quarterback. So Mac Jones doesn't uh, tickle your fancy? I mean, it's not a priority, but like, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ron? I, I'm not a Mac Jones fan at all. Um, I, there's just is when you watch like the highlights from him, it's his receivers making plays. Um, I mean, you know, it's Devonte Smith running wide open with you know three guys in zone coverage, all about 15 yards away from him. So um, there's nothing really about it game that wows me and yeah. I also 
I feel like if we end up, say, taking Mac Jones at five, then it's almost like a Christian Ponder deal all over again where, <sighs> oh, all these quarterbacks went, so now we need to pick someone. Like, yeah. now it's one thing if only two go, and now you're looking at, say, a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields or something, then it's like, well, okay, there's maybe a future with one of those guys. It could be developmental. But if you're then like, oh, four are gone, we got to get our fifth option off the board. I don't like that mindset at all. Okay. <clears throat> Bryant, in your career, um, let's see. I think you had Traveris Jackson and Ryan Tannehill as rookies that came onto the team while you were on it and were going to play at some point. Am I missing any other ones? Was it is it Jackson and Tannehill? Um, when Brett Favre was there, that was a who was that? Because he had Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old, Brian. No, no, there was there was somebody else the year Brett came in 2009. There was another player there. Off uh, quarterback. Yeah, uh, no, Tavares was still there, but it was somebody else. I remember he. Is that well? They had Sage Rosenfels, right? Was he the and third string? It was a young guy from like. Oh, we'll, have to, we'll have to look it up. So, well, with I think it, I I think it's Tannehill and Traveris, and we'll look up the other one. Um, is it is it different to be part of the locker room or to you know be a, at left tackle when you have a rookie quarterback? Uh, you, I mean, you had both worlds. You had like old, old and Favre, which went marvelously for one year. And then you had, uh, you were there for the entire time of Torres Jackson's development. So what's, what's it like when a rookie quarterback comes aboard? Um, you just know that they're, uh, they lack experience on that level. And so you just know, like you have to take your time a little bit with them, but you kind of help them along the way too. Like you, you give them like little tips and advice on things that you know, or, that you've dealt with with other quarterbacks. Um, but at the same time, you always want to try to build their confidence because you need them to be like the leader of the, of the team. I think you, uh, about two months ago, when it was just back, or maybe it was longer than that, when just you and me, uh, you were telling me about a time in Miami where you were hyping up Ryan Tannehill or giving him some. Well, I would tell him, yeah. When yeah we, you know, he turned stuff. around and used the same stuff that you were saying. He did. <laughs> <laughs> so. But that was okay. No, that's awesome. But, um, I had been there, and I just felt like he didn't really never say much, like, um, yeah. on game day. So I was just talking to him, and I was saying, like, you know, you kind of kind of step up and, you know, kind of say some things. You are the quarterback, so everybody's going to listen to you. And I kind of was just telling him just different things that I observed from watching the team. And I, he took some mental notes because he basically, like, kind of – Reiterate everything I said. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that shows that he. Oh, right, well, this sound familiar. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that happens to every man or woman that comes into a leadership role. Mine's not as cool as a quarterback, but I I became a, a manager when I was like twenty or twenty one years old of a, a retail store department and i recall when i got promoted it was all cool and everything because i was recognized for doing you know good at what i did and then when i got out to that role i just kind of started keep kept doing what i was doing because i thought you know that was the merits of my promotion and i remember one time a district manager saying like so yeah when are you gonna start empowering the other people like we don't need you just to do everything and that was almost like a moment where i was like god that I guess I never really thought of it that way, uh, but I was so young and naive that uh, it reminded me of the Tannehill story. Like he probably had gotten a- along with it for so long in his high school and college career um, of, you know, just being so spectacular on the field or even as a wide receiver for a while there for him that, you know, you had to pull him aside and say, you know, there's more to this than just throwing the football. You have to inspire and whatnot. Right. 
did you do any homework for us around in that quarterback or not? Well, so like there isn't anything on the official roster, but John David Booty was one that I know was there. Probably around he, that he was time. number four. He, okay. he wore number four. Yeah, I was thinking about him. I think it was okay. like his first year. Yeah, that's a blast <laughs> in the past. All right. So yeah, so it's pretty much Tannehill and Tarveris. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, the next one, uh, Amory, I'm going to go to you again. So I did one of my little unofficial scientific polls on Twitter. I was looking for it, by the way, today, and I couldn't find it. Oh, really? Okay, well, it was noteworthy because about 1,700 people responded. So I said to wow. uh, Vikings Twitter, generally speaking on the Vikings, which category are you? Pro-Zimmer, pro-Kirk, anti-Zimmer, anti-Kirk, pro-Zimmer, anti-Kirk, anti-Zimmer, pro-Kirk. So all four of the options. And 67% were pro and pro. So that means that two-thirds of the folks support the status quo, or at least the folks Viking that have... Twitter, two-thirds? Yeah, well, at no. least the people that <laughs> voted on my poll, uh, yeah. which, which might oh. skew it a little bit, but uh, only 6% were anti-both. So that leads me to believe, with the stuff that Ron and I have been saying for a while now, that I think that there is just this small segment that can't stand it and just yells the loudest. Agreed because I because I maybe my algorithm on my Twitter's messed up, but you know, um, when I was catching up recently, yeah, every other day it's it's I love Kirk, I hate Kirk, I love Kirk, I hate Kirk, I love Kirk, I hate Kirk, and I'm like, uh, Vikings Twitter is so annoying. Um, that might uh, are be the meanest thing I you've am? ever said. What that might be the meanest thing you've ever said. I know, and I'm pretty nice. Uh, wait, are you asking what I am? No, I, I already know that I think you support the enterprise as it is, or at least you have, I do, except I, can I make one thing? I, now I'm more and more, we get into this one, but mm-hmm. I think Zimmer though needs to let the offensive coordinator and the offense, let their, let them do their job. I think this has been a problem now. I, I love Zimmer. I'm for him. I like a defensive mind coach, but there's something up that we can't hold an offensive coordinator. Oh, you're gonna do that to me now? Well, I just, I just let. I think Zimmer needs to let the offense do their job. Well, that's that's fair. I, I, I was under the that impression is why he hired him. <laughs> I was under the impression he wants nothing to do with the offense. I don't know. Full. Something's up though. I don't know what it is. Some well, whoever it is, some some there's something I don't know. Okay, so I want I want to get Ron here because he has to tell me where I'm. So the only one on Zimmer that can be considered didn't get along with him was North Turner because they parted ways under very mysterious circumstances. One man ended up with an eye patch on and the other just resigned in the middle of the season. And I have Viking. I have friends in the Vikings community that insist that was a, a fight that caused the, the eye problem. And that's why Turner was up. For real? Yes. I never knew that. Well, it's not confirmed, but that is one of the working theories. So that yeah, one, that one, that one can be chalked up, to perhaps, to being Zimmer being disagreeable or difficult to work with. But John DeFilippo flat out didn't work, and Zimmer fired him. And then the other ones have been promoted. So what am yeah. I missing, Ron? Here is is I don't I don't doubt that Zimmer's stubborn, but to say that he's this disagreeable adult that just nobody can get along with, I don't get it. I don't know. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case. So like him and Norv, I know they went back for decades, um, you know, in coaching staffs, but uh, so maybe just all of a sudden it kind of was like, Hey, we're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to. So whatever, we'll call it a quit. 
But uh, yeah, DeFilippo was the only one that really failed, I think, because the rest of them, yeah, Shermer had his best, you know, his best work here and then was the Giants head coach. And then um, Kevin Stefanski obviously spent all those years here and he got promoted and then he left. So, um, you know, and I don't know if Kubiak or this Clint Kubiak is uh, one of those young guys that, uh, you know, is on that trajectory or not. But um, I know him and Gary had went back for years as well. And Gary had already retired once because of his uh, um, health <laughs> issues. So maybe he just really didn't want to do anything like that hands-on again. So um, that makes sense. With, so with I, Clint, with Clint, this is going to be very bittersweet because we want him to be ruckus and to have creativity. But the moment that we have a great year, he's going to be gone. Yeah. And then we're going to do this. Well, one year from tonight, we're going to say, <laughs> Damn it. yeah, we're going to be like, what's wrong with him? He, we couldn't keep hold of Clint. Uh, Bryant. So Zimmer is a notorious defensive-minded coach, defense, all, defense always coach. Did you ever have a head coach who was so focused on one side of the football that it felt like the other side was just a footnote? Or were they all just collaborative? I, I think they were pretty collaborative. Um, okay. I think Coach Tice was more offense, but he allowed the defensive coordinator to do their job. Not very well, though. <laughs> they just didn't have the talent defense. That's not a slight to you. That's a slight to the defense. Yeah. Um, and there was, oh was, was, was more of an offensive mindset. And he allowed. Um, that was um, funny. What's the name to do the Frazier. defense side, too? Like, he didn't. Frazier, yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of talent on that defense. Oh, really, yeah, yeah, there was a. Uh, he didn't really bother them. Like, I guess he felt like I hired you to do this. So I'll let you handle that side. And yeah, his struggle, his struggle was offense, so he felt like he had work on offense side. So, yeah, how yeah. was with your experience with um, Harbaugh in Baltimore? Him being a special teams guy, how was his balance as far as where he spent his focus? Obviously, he's not going to spend his time on he special balanced, teams. It is what it is. He didn't see with him now. With him, I feel like he tried to spend equal amount of time with both. But I felt he was more on the offensive side, though. Like, okay. he watched the offensive side a lot more. And I think maybe that part of the reason is, too, because you had people like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, Terrell Sutton right. on the other side, and they kind of lead it. And he did focus a lot on special teams. So he did spend more time on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. I got to say, <clears throat> talking about uh, your playing days, so on Sunday, was it? For some reason, like NFL on Fox or some NFL throwback <laughs> account, uh, posted a bunch of Dante Culpepper videos, which is a sweet little shot of nostalgia. But then it it spurred into motion this strange debate on Cousins versus Culpepper, which I don't know why people insisted on. What? Well, yeah, they wanted to know who was better, blah, blah, blah. And so in order to put that in perspective, I tweeted some of the Dante numbers. And uh, I did that also the defense that accompanied Bryant and Dante and that those teams and God, those defenses weren't good. Yeah, they were bad. Like there was never during the Culpepper era, aside from that. Uh, like one or two. Yeah. They were always 25, 26, 24 in terms of points allowed, like ranked. And it's, it, it opened old wounds for me because uh, I'm so spooked that if we, for some reason, go away from Zimmer in the next year or so. I really don't want to go back to that where you have to just, I mean, that it doesn't, that doesn't have to happen. We can find a dude that can coach both, but I really love having usually 2020, notwithstanding a team that is defensively sound. Um, and then, you know, the offense can do just about enough to win some games. Uh, 
because those Dante teams defensively, it was criminal how bad some of them were, um, at least when you look back. And in the heat of the moment, it felt that way too. But we were so used to it. We were so used to Bryant and Dante and Moss and uh, Robert Smith and these dudes like putting up the points that I don't even think as youngsters, Ron, that we knew what a good defense even meant. No, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, because I, you know, obviously when I started watching, I got to see John Randall and him being yeah. a dominant player. But even our defenses that he was around, they weren't very good. Um, you know, going back to, um, you know, Brian year days when I think we may, maybe had Lance Johnstone for a couple of years as a pass rusher, but we went how long without having a double digit sack guy until we got Jared Allen. It, like, it was bad. And our corners, you know, we were taking Robert Tate, who was a wide receiver, converting him to cornerback, making him play. Um, and it was just, even in 90, the 98 season, it wasn't, it was an opportunistic defense, but it was you know, obviously that historic offense, but uh, yeah. yeah, up until uh, yeah, really when we got Jared Allen, it was we've never had a defense, and yeah, since I then, re- at least we've been good. I recall thinking Johnstone was badass because <laughs> you know he was like the stand-up linebacker that would like rush and then get you know like a third down specialist that would flirt with you know 10, 12 sacks. Yeah, and, and not and taking anything was, away from Kevin Williams, he was a flat out stud, but there was nothing around. Yeah, him. and uh, it was such an oddity because I, I, you know, we would in college, you know, talk about debate, you know, debate your Packer friends, whatever. And I'd be like, well, look, we have Johnstone, and they would just laugh. And I'd be like, what's so funny about that? And they'd be like, you think that guy is like all badass? And I'm like, well, yeah, I do. But now you look at the type of defense that can be orchestrated by uh, Zimmer over, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, and you're like, okay, now I get it. All right. The last question I have for the group and Amory, I will go to you. So yeah, we are in, embarking on the exciting time of the off season. Um, it'll get super exciting in about two weeks when free agency opens up. And last year we had probably arguably two big bits of news that were like, Holy Christ. And that was when Diggs was traded. And that was when Yannick Ngankwe joined the team before he was shipped off seven weeks later of like, you know, open your phone thinking, holy cow. Do you think we'll see any of those holy cow moments this off season? Um, like, you know, something real splashly that no, splashy that nobody foresaw, like Von Miller signing with the Vikings or something like that. Or do you think that this one will be a lot quieter? Very, very much quieter. Okay. I don't see any splashes. I don't see Von Miller coming. I don't know. Nope. nope. So just uh, just an, a mundane off season that hopefully checks the boxes in a in a yeah. regimented way. What about you, Ron? Do you think anything? Not saying like you know, quite as big as a dig trade because that's something that we'll all remember. Uh, but do you foresee anything that we'd be like? I did not see that coming. I think there will be something. Now I don't know how to speculate really? what it is. But last year I feel like we were in a tougher spot with our salary cap. And when we signed Michael Pierce, like we, you know, we lost Limbaugh and then we get Michael Pierce and it's just like, well, I didn't see that one coming. Like here's a yeah. younger, you know, and at least at the time, better version of Limbaugh. Did not see that coming at all. So um, and I thought we were right up against the cap last year. So yeah. um this year I know like we're we are there again, but so are a lot of teams. But I think there's gonna be something that is gonna be like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Again, I don't know what it is, but okay. um it seems like every year there's something that uh that's a little shocking. Okay. Yeah. All wow. right. <laughs> all right, uh Bryant, do you have any guests you can tease for us in the coming month or so? <laughs> We've kind of hit up. I really have to look to see yeah. who's around, and I can. So the, the the ones that we've been floating around for some time, Everson, he's he's difficult to get a hold of. 
I've texted him. I'm gonna just call. I'm gonna call him. Yep. And then Winfield um, is MIA at least via text. Yeah, he's been. I've called him a few times too, and he's just not in return at all. You, call I got two phones. I'm gonna call my other phone. <laughs> <laughs> have you talked to any of my co-hosts? They come on here. Who's that? Aaron Henderson or Jamarcus Sanford? Oh, okay, Aaron. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah, we could we could collaborate. Aaron will come on. He'd love you. Yeah. Is Jamarcus Sanford? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have a podcast with both of them. What about, uh, do you ever oh. think we'll get, remember Burleson had a photo shoot in IT? Oh, I, yeah, good old we, name. we just never rescheduled with him. We could get him eventually too. Okay, like, cool. We All right. Well, well, we will continue for the listeners to grind out those guests and uh, get back on somewhat of a schedule like that. It's the off season, so we're doing a lot of the analysis, but Unless you guys have anything else, that's that's all we have for tonight. Anything from you guys? Not a thing. We're kind of in that lull of... Uh, We're just know. waiting. Yeah. We're waiting. Yeah. Hurry up and wait. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be combine. Or combine is supposed yeah. to have taken place. So now it's, you know, Rashad Bateman ran 4-3-8. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know where he ran it, what it was for. It wasn't the pro day. So, you know, you're going to see all these numbers coming out of... Uh, but yeah. who's where's the validation on it? So right. you know, it's it's I ne- it's never one of those things that was always a point of television, but I'd kind of record and I'd fast forward and mm-hmm. see what it's find a player that piques my interest. And I never realized how much I missed it until it's not here. So yeah. right. you'll have that. All right, right. Amory, we appreciate you joining uh this thanks week. for having me on yeah. again. We hope that thanks uh, for joining yeah, we hope you'll be available these last two times. It's just been at our beck and call, and we we sincerely appreciate <laughs> well, it. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. All right, that's all we have for tonight in Skull Viking. Skull. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.